Hey, real quick, Craig here. If you're looking to take your six-figure business to seven figures and beyond, let's talk to see how the Built to Scale program can help you grow your business without sacrificing your personal life. Head to builttoscalehq.com to set up your one-on-one call with me. Welcome to Built to Scale, where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs just like you about what it takes to build a thriving business without sacrificing your personal life. My name is Craig Severinsen, and I help people make more money working with better clients while also working less. And now I'm sharing it all with you. Let's dive in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 11. We are talking with Aaron Pennings of Copy Snacks, and I'm really excited for this episode. And this is why I ask her some questions that uh, kind of make her pause and think. And these are questions that the answers make a really big difference, and every entrepreneur should know the answer to these questions. So I love how she stopped, I love how she thought about it, and I love the answer she gave. So as we go through this, I want you to put yourself in her shoes and answer the questions that I'm asking because they make a huge difference to your business. And while you're doing that, there's three things in particular I want you to look out for in this episode. Number one, we talk about why clarity is so important to gaining traction in your business. There's a saying I use with my clients all the time, and that is clarity from the founder equals momentum with your clients. Number two, we talk about the challenge of figuring out what you want to be known for and how vision and passion really play into that. And then number three, we talk about getting over the mindset blocks that every entrepreneur faces. This is really good content. I'm excited for you to join in put yourself in her shoes and let's dive in. When you decided to go out on your own, you said you, you just dove right in, you, you quit, right? Like, was it, was it just, uh, but, but the cop, but copy snacks didn't come around for a couple of years. So like, was there a time there where you were freelancing or working on your own or was it like. Just know I'm going all in and it evolved into coffee snacks. Everything that I did kind of came to me naturally this first couple of, not naturally, but I'd say I sort of fell into it based on things that I'd done before, people that I knew. And I worked as a marketing contractor for some other people. Mm. Um, And ultimately, I always knew it wasn't where I wanted to be. It just, I, I always knew that I didn't want to be working for other people, but I wasn't really sure how to. And I had some mindset blocks about like what was possible and what I could really do and what I could build on my own. It's very common to have the stage of like, you're not quite on your own, but you're starting to dip your feet into like consulting or freelancing. You're like, holy cow, like, you know, people actually could do, I could actually do a living with this. And then I think corporate America just mind wipes us. Like they, they totally have us hypnotized into thinking that you've got to, work nine to five, you've got to have a certain style, like you can't do this on your own. And it's just like from when we're kids in school, this conditioning to show up a certain way. And when you become an entrepreneur, I think everyone has those mindset blocks of like, can I really do this? Or for me, it was, it seriously was for the first like six months or a year, I had anxiety until the rent was paid for the next month. I was like, I, I don't know if rent's coming this month. You know, so it was like this mindset block of like, it's got like, everything was just fine, but until rent was at money would be in the bank, but until rent was paid, I was just like a, a, uh, a mess. Like even still two years in of like having some consistency, it's like, okay, where's, you know, what's happening in the next six months? Where am I, you know, do I have this plan? 
if my car dies, which it sort of did this week, like, um, do we have a backup plan to replace it? Or, um, and it, it's, it was fixable. It wasn't a big deal, but it was that panic. And I mean, even though I have the consistency and that um, comfort and that confidence that rent is paid or the mortgage is paid and our bills are paid and Hey, there's even some extra stuff in there to start building profit. Um, I, I, I don't know. Does that ever go away? I feel like there's always some ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it does. I think it goes, um, I think it does go away. It it turns into, you know, I always say that I don't know that you completely beat your demons. You get better at recognizing them, right? Like yeah. every level, you know, they say new level, new devil is kind of the phrase. I think it's new level, same devil. And you just learn how to recognize their knock a little bit quicker. And you're like, oh, wait, okay, that, that knock is me freaking out about rent, even though there's money in the account. Like, that's what this trigger is. You know what I mean? Like, you, you start yeah. to recognize it a little bit more. Uh, does it ever like a hundred percent go away? I don't know. That's human nature, but you definitely get uh, more confident. You get more experience. And as you move through it, those things become easier. Right. And, and maybe they, maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm no therapist. So maybe like deep down <laughs> it never goes away. But for me, at least I've gotten a lot better at recognizing those things and being able to call the BS that I see and, and move forward from it. It's a really good point. And it's like when you have those days where it's like, because, you know, it's funny, I was talking to someone who's a well-established and well-known copywriter. And he's like, sometimes I think about getting a job, you know, maybe like once a month. And it's like this entertaining, this thought that you entertain for like three seconds. And it's like, no, that's insane. Like, why would I do that? It's, um, it's tough, right? Like, that's the no, thing is being an entrepreneur is, is hard. And so like, sometimes you just want to throw in the towel. So, so let me ask you this, you know, I, cause I think we talked about finances a little bit. We're talking about mindset right now. Like what are some of the things that you do to like, um, improve your mindset or to like, make sure that your finances are in where they should be? Like, what are some of the practices or things that you do? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, number one is I have a bookkeeper who's like, keeps me on the straight and narrow and she's like, Hey, this month was really good here's what I think you should do. She's not, oh, she's a partner in my business. Um, I mean, not, a, not a true partner, but I see her as a partner because she's, she's always looking out for me. Um, and if I have a question or like, Hey, what does this look like? What should we do next year? She's there to back me up and say, you know, this trend is going up, you know, maybe this expense is going up too and keep an eye on that. And that just having her at my, at my back, like having her, having her input is really it calms whatever the money anxiety is, right? Um, so a side note, that is a lesson in retention right there. The way she has positioned herself with you and the relationship that you guys have, lesson for every B2B owner right there on how to position yourself to have great retention. Yeah, so. for sure. That's a really good point. Yeah, and you know, the other side of it is that I've paid myself very, uh, I don't want to say, um, conservatively, but there's a set rate. And so that month that's low because finally it's May and everyone everywhere is finally able to go do stuff because they haven't been able to do stuff in a year and a half. They're like, oh, we're not hiring people right now. We're, we're, we're closing the office. We're done or whatever it was. I, May was a low month for a lot of people, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue because you had that money in the bank and it was like, cool. So I have enough expenses to pay myself. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the other side of it. That's how I've gotten around the anxiety is I've just been conservative. And if I have a big month, cool. It all goes back in the, you know, thing. I pay my taxes and it builds. And then if it, there's a low month, it 
goes down a little bit and that's not that's not the end of the world right because it. it's built to to sustain so so in terms of uh, i'm switching gears a little bit here in terms of mm -hmm. copy snacks like what what sets you apart um from my like, competitors like what 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 is your competitive edge that you're working towards Let me put you on the spot. <laughs> Putting me on the spot, right? Um, as there's silence, which is not common for me. Um, you yes, know, I asked a question that got <laughs> you stumped. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think what sets me apart is a lot of my background. Um, I, in in some ways, that hampers me sometimes too, because if with more than 15 years of marketing experience, sometimes I have these like clearly defined roles of what should be done and what um, what's possible. And it's one of those mindset things that we're still working through, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think having that solid background of here are some of the things that worked kind of in the pre-online world, right? Because really it's the last three to four years that's really taken off yeah, um, for a lot of people, um, maybe five, six. But so what what are some of those tactics? What do you need to know? What do you need to believe what is the angle that matters to people in all the years in PR and how does that apply to your outbound marketing or even your inbound marketing? What's what subject lines are going to catch people's eyes? What headlines are going to catch people's eyes? Um, but it's interesting. You know, I, I talk about the secret sauce a lot when I talk to people and it's like you can give your secret sauce isn't that secret. And I think Neil Patel wrote this like huge article on it. And it's really a great article because it's like anyone can look up the mechanics but what makes it the secret sauce is your perspective and your brain and your approach. So at the risk of saying my competitive advantage is me, which sounds really egotistical, like I, I think it is. It's, you know, my unique set of life experiences and personal experiences gives me an interesting perspective on whatever the brand is that I'm working towards. Yeah, totally. And I think you've got to, you know, something I say all the time is you got to be aggressively you, you know, like you've got to uh, you've got to let your personality shine through. So uh, you said uh, background in PR, right? And my background's in PR too. So what what are some of like, can you think of any, I'm totally putting you on the spot here, but like what are some of the coolest things that you ever did with PR or with like marketing? Like what's, what are some crazy or cool things that you've done? Uh, well, an agency that I worked with, my husband's ex-military, technically still military, but um, we moved around a lot. So I had to like reinvent myself every three years. And it's like, had the online business world been there, like, where would I be now? Like, what what would have that ever looked like? What would have been the possibility there? But, um, you know, we worked with a sushi restaurant opening um, with this agency that I worked with back in Colorado Springs. And that was insanely fun. Like, we got to go through the menu, we got to sample it. And then we got to, you know, get the big to-dos there to, to really make an impact. Um, for them, and they had a great grand opening. I don't remember specifics. It's like ten years ago now, but uh, we also got to do a lot of work with the USFC, which was really, really cool. And it was right as they were starting to kick off um, some of the Paralympics campaigns and the rebranding. Okay. Um, and it was more marketing in general there, right? This is opposed to PR. Most of the PR I have came from um, doing some book marketing, um, incidentally, and so doing outbound pitches. Um, and so it's just like, I don't know, what's really been cool is seeing the way the different pieces of knowledge have built on each other as building blocks. And it creates this insanely cool trajectory that, you know, it's like, oh, this past experience here would do really cool for you here. I'm going back and answering your last question since I bombed it. But, <laughs> no, uh, you, <laughs> you know, it's like 
it's all those little pieces that build together. Um, and it's not just the cool things that we did in Colorado. It's not just the cool things that we've done online. It's not just the cool things in the travel marketing industry. It's kind of how all of it fits together. Fits together. And there's, it's fun because you get these cross industry perspectives, right? And you're like, oh, hey, this worked really well in the travel industry. And it's something that only they do. But why couldn't you do it in the um, solar energy industry? There's yeah, some parallels, totally. like in terms of how marketing actually works. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, that's where a lot of the great breakthroughs come in is when you start looking outside of your own industry and trying to adapt it for for your own. And something else you said earlier that really is true is, uh, you know, we in today have abandoned a lot of these old school, quote unquote, old school, like <laughs> if you think 21 years ago, it was the year 2000, like old school, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> where like we were carrying, you know, blocky cell phones and internet was dial up. Um, if you had a cell phone. Like, yeah, yeah, for real. I think I got my first one 2001. <laughs> yeah, so so like those quote unquote old school marketing tactics are still super effective because people aren't using them and different stands out so much. Doing something differently stands out so, so much. And so when you take that experience from one industry, apply it to another one, or maybe couple that with like an old school tactic versus a new new school tactic, that's where big innovation starts to really take place and traction gets built. It's interesting that you say that. We just did a campaign for a client that combined a lot of online marketing with direct mail and no one's getting letters. And, um, you know, this client booked five or six clients last month because of it, which is huge in her industry um, without getting into specifics. But it's just like, it's so cool to see that traction, just to your point, that's that mix. And it's almost like the old school becomes guerrilla marketing. Yeah, for real. What, what sort of industry was that client in? Uh, she's in the financial uh, and cannabis industries. Oh. oh, cool. So, which is like this really interesting positioning, right? But we've been able to get some really cool results for her. What a, you know, what would a, um, you know, cannabis is really interesting. They are just they are so aggressive. There's probably so much we can learn from uh, the marijuana industry because they are just so aggressive. I got a, I got a, a card. No one's getting mail, right? But I got a card in the mail the other day saying marijuana is legal. Here is a phone number or a link to get a prescription, and then here's how you buy from us. Like it's like they sent me directions on how I can go and get marijuana <laughs> if I want it. And like I wasn't interested, but I'm just like, man, this is crazy how aggressive they are and how successful they're popping up everywhere. You know, I think there's probably lessons for everyone in, in the way uh, well, yeah. marijuana is really growing. When I, you know, we're in Wisconsin, so it's still illegal here. So, you know, it's funny to go out of state, which I haven't done in way too long, except that we drove to Cincinnati um, over Labor Day. And driving through Chicago and seeing all of the billboards, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. But we lived in Colorado when um, when it was first legal there. Oh, yeah. And it was crazy. In this period of like six months from my office window, I could see probably four dispensaries that had popped up. And then driving anywhere, it was like they were – and they did well. Like they did really well. Yeah. And at that point, I don't think they had to be so aggressive because of the novelty. But yeah. it's a really interesting point. Yeah. Here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be, but the amount of thought that still has to go into it to make yeah. it effective is, is. Well, yeah. And they're overcoming those, those obstacles. Right. And I think the lesson here is, yeah, it's a, it's a growing market. It's an open market, but the real lesson is that they, uh, 
they are being very proactive because even though it's an open market, it's very crowded. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could since it's been legalized here in Missouri, um, man, I can think I think there's been it just in the local cities around me, probably a hundred different stores open up, you know, and a lot of them are chains from other markets that are like trying to pounce in here. Yeah. And so it is, yes, an open market, but it's so competitive that they have to be aggressive. And the lesson I think to take away that every entrepreneur should apply is that if you want to make sales, you have to be super clear about what you do and unapologetic about getting it in front of your your prospects, just like 100% owning it, 100%, you know, aggressive is maybe the wrong word because we, you know, that makes you feel like really like, but it's like, like bold, maybe aggressive, bold. like bold. Yeah. 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 Mm. Like get in there, get out there, put it out there and don't apologize for it. Be aggressively. You be aggressively value oriented, man. That's where you'll see some cool results. And I think part three to that is ask. Mm, yeah. Show how to buy, like make it easy. Yeah. Like, where's your staples easy button, you know, like, yeah, totally. I, so, I'm thinking of like marijuana now flying down. Like, the, wasn't it like confetti or paper clips or something that went flying in those early ads? I don't know. Like, that's again, I'm digressing. Hit the button, it's marijuana leaves everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's our lessons uh, from the marijuana industry uh, segment. Uh, please join us next time as we explore that again. <laughs> Uh, very cool. So uh, tell me, like, thinking about your business right now, like, what's the hardest thing going on that you're facing right now? I'm in this, I mean, and I feel like I've been in this state of pivot. I think that's really normal. Like, I think, um, you know, and it's like, as soon as I set a direction, this really cool opportunity flies in that may or may not, I don't even think it's the universe testing me with the old direction. It's like, whoo, shiny object. And so it's, yeah. it's hard to stay focused on and pick a lane sometimes when other lanes are like, ooh, this could be interesting, let's test this. And then keeping this focus point in mind of, okay, let's continue to build this thing that we really wanna be known for. Um, and I I sat in, there was a conference that I attended virtually in April, um, and there's a gal whose name is Iman Ismail. And she said, I always like to give her credit because this is like one of the biggest mind blowing things I've ever gotten. And it's like the narrative who you, what you do isn't what you think you do. It's how other people introduce you. So pay attention to how they introduce you and control the narrative. And so I'm like, huh, so what do I want to be known for? And that's, that's the challenge, right? What does each one of us want to be known for? Um, But I'm focusing particularly on the web copy market. Um, I'm working, I have a course that teaches people how to write their own web copy but um, also building it out and scaling it to the point that I can continue to build my team and maybe do less of the on the ground work, boots on the ground work and see more, oversee more of the strategy. Um, and it's still copy cheaping. Like everything yeah. has to go through my stamp of approval before it goes out the door. I'm not ready to let go of that, <laughs> but um, you know, to outsource more of that. So I can scale. That's really interesting what you're saying about, um, oh gosh, it just went, it went for me. Um, well, I, I tend to pack first, a lot into each like run-on sentence. That yeah, I say, so. <laughs> that first that first part of what you're saying um, about uh, shining object syndrome. Yeah, squirrels, right? Like that that is so important. That is something all of us face, and there's this balance that we have to strike, especially because one of our strengths as small business owners is the ability to pivot and the ability to be, you know, to move. But at the same time, focus 
is where you get where you want to go, right? Like if you're constantly switching gears, uh, to me, one of the great examples is yeah, Clubhouse, right? Like a lot of people, when Clubhouse was big, like uh, six months ago, were like, oh, you got to get on Clubhouse, you got to get in Clubhouse, you got to get in Clubhouse. Now, Clubhouse is like not doing so hot, right? Like it's kind of like just dropped out of the the conversation. And a lot of people made money on Clubhouse, but a lot of people got on Clubhouse and lost track of where they were going. So it's like, where's that balance between um, between agility and focus? And you've got to like, you got to have that. So how do you maintain that focus versus, you know, how do you identify this is shiny object versus this is real? I want to go after it. Well, and that's that's the key. I think to do it, you have to test. Like, so I, I mean, I think I choose. I try to choose one test, no more than one test at a time, so mm-hmm. that. You know, I I grew up in the agency world, so I'm used to working on multiple things and kind of different things at different points in time. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for me to say, okay, I'm going to keep going with with this one thing, this web copy project on this one hand. And in the meantime, right now, I'm going to test um, storytelling coaching, which is not far away, and it could then dovetail back into the web copy. Um, I think it's like it has to fit into the hub and spoke for me. Like it has to be I'm not all of a sudden going to go start ghostwriting books for someone. Mm. That's not realistically where I want to be. If there's a client who I love, who I've worked with on the brand storytelling, for example, which, again, relates to web copy somehow um, and not even somehow. It just does. Um, yeah. Even though this particular client doesn't have a website. Um, but for them. Could I help them organize their stories into a book to hand off to someone else to write? Absolutely. But, you know, I think the hardest part is finding the, where does the line, where does yeah. it stop? Where do you hand over your complete package and say, here, here is this thing. Um, here's who I recommend for implementing it. Or even here's instructions for implementing it. But that's not what I do. Um, so, yeah, it's I think setting those boundaries of what's within the scope of things that I'm willing to test and then just choosing one thing at a time and spacing it out. That's interesting. So, you know, you mentioned the having, it's gotta be like in your hub, hub and spoke. And to me, you know, maybe another al- analogy you could use is like, you know, where's your anchor. That's like, y- you've got some leeway around that anchor, but it's that thing that keeps you, keeps you close by. What is it for you? That is the, uh, the hub or the anchor. Like what, what is the thing that is your guidepost? <laughs> as I laugh, um, I, I really is web copy at this point in time. Um, yeah. And could that shift eventually to be something else? Absolutely. Um, I'm working on getting ready to release a brand new framework that it, it's talking about the building blocks. And then again, what you do after the building blocks are in place, because the website copy is great and it's essential. Like you've got to have somewhere that you can direct people back to that speaks to them and if it doesn't speak to them and if it doesn't dovetail with the rest it's not going to be effective for you it's all about like kind of developing your brand putting it into web copy and then building a roadmap or a trajectory for how it's going to get you the visibility that you need or for how to get it in front of people or how to launch it but um who's your target maybe maybe the maybe it's messaging if we're thinking about the anchor the anchor is messaging and then the circle around it or the sharks circling the waters. I don't know which, which 
let's, <laughs> let's, like we've got like six analogies going here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm good at that too. So, um, yeah, so, but I think maybe maybe a better way to say it is it's not the web copy, it's the messaging overall. Yeah. And then it's how you use that and how you speak. In the different aspects. And put it out into the world. So who's who's your target market right now that you're going after? Uh, it's actually dual um, for two for one very good reason. Um, it's overall it's mostly B two B. I tend to work with people who work with other businesses. That's where I have the most experience, mm-hmm. and that's you know it's kind of fun to bring in some of the gorilla. I call it gorilla, but like the not the old school gorilla, the the new gorilla marketing tactics to some of these industries that have never had anything turned on its head. And so that's kind of a fun thing to do. So that that's one side of it. The other side is um, people who are a lot like me, who want to get their messaging straight, but you're so darn close to it yourself. Because when, you know, when it's your business, everything matters. Everything is important. So how do you drill down to what's important to your ideal audience? Right? So, so, so how do you do that? Um, at this point, it's with the web copy um, course that I, I created. It's it's launching again. It's going to be a quarterly launch, um, but it's for copywriters. What methodology do you use to like drill in? Like, do, is there something that you do to drill into that finding that sort of message for your ideal audience? Like, like if, how, you, how would you walk through a client through that, I guess, is, is the question. So a lot of it has to do with research. It's all research driven and people are like really writing's research driven, but it is. So part of it's figuring out who they want to work with. That's step one. But then you, you have to go in and look at like customer reviews of maybe it's, you know, if, if it's of you that we're, we're doing this for, it's like, what do people say about working with you? Um, and I'd want to, you know, see what people are saying about working with people that you see as competitors or where you'd want to go. Um, but we also would might schedule some calls with some of your clients that are on the projects that you've really enjoyed working on that you want to do more of. Um, and we'd figure out how they talk about things and you look, start to look for repeated phrases. Um, and so it's a, it's a mix of what your what's going to move the needle for your clients, what your client needs to believe, but also about what matters to you and what your core values are and what your unique personality is. So it's, it's a blend, right, of – I don't want to say it's telling people what they want to hear because that sounds really sleazy, and it's not sleazy. It's it's, it's figuring out what matters to them yeah. and then why that also matters to you so you can be empathetic and show them that it matters to you. And here's some of the ways that I can show you that it's mattered. Here's how I've been able to help people just like you. You know, um, I, I would call that entering the conversation that they're already having. It's not telling them what they want to hear. It's entering the conversation. Yeah on a relevant level, right? And I love what you're saying because it's exactly what I do with my clients. The first thing we do is actually make a list of all their clients and rank them and then get on the phone with the top 20% and and drill into like, you know, what stand, what it's, makes you stand out? What do they like about you? What are they saying about the community? What are the problems they're facing? And I use it um, not just for messaging, but for uh, creating your offer, creating package so that yeah. you're actually offering something that people want. And it's like going through that process that you're describing, I can tell you is it is business changing because you're right. We are so close to our business. And like you said earlier, that quote of like what, how other people introduce you, 
I have found that doing this process and listening to what your clients say about you helps you create and understand what your vision is for the industry and for your business. And that clarity, because whether you know it or not, whether you know it or not, you've got a vision, right? And you're communicating it. And sometimes you don't realize it. And so when you're, when you talk to your clients and they're acting as a mirror, putting that back to you, you suddenly start to say, oh my goodness, this is what I want. This is what I want to create. And man, that creates some powerful momentum for you because now you've got the words, now you've got the offer, and now you've got this clear vision to just back it up. And it's all in alignment. Yeah. And totally. so then like, just, I, I totally agree. Like that's, that's the process right there. And everyone has their different spin on it, but um, it, it also ties into how you go out into the world to talk about it. So that way, if you know, this core is all the same, then you're taking elements of that when you go speak, when you exactly. show up on whatever right. social media you choose. And I think that's it. It's like picking a lane and staying in it, even though I've just said, like, it's okay to test shiny objects. It's okay to be stuck in traffic in Chicago and realize that your lane's not going anywhere and try shifting another lane for a little bit, only to realize that you're really all just going to get there here's, in three here's, hours. Yeah, I think here's the connector, though. Like, y- y- it is okay to test things, but it's, you've got to have that anchor, first of all, so that you're not just like, you know, if you're a copywriter and you're writing emails for people, you don't suddenly start ghostwriting, like your example, right? Like, you've got to have an anchor that keeps you close. And then the other part of testing is like, you've got to know what's your bread and butter, what's consistent, what you're going to do for, like for me in marketing, right? Like I know Facebook and LinkedIn are where I need to be, right? Like that is consistently performing for me. If I want to go test Clubhouse, that's fine, but I'm going to test Clubhouse while Facebook Right, you're not going to take the foot off the gas still, of the other yeah, two. Still you're not going, going. to totally change. Like, like that's totally the key there. Like testing is fine, but you know, and, and we're bringing it full circle with what you said too. It's one thing at a time and it's not abandoning. It's not throwing the baby out the bathwater. It's adding on and seeing how it goes. And then if it doesn't work, you know, if clubhouse suddenly goes, you know, there's still people making money on clubhouse. I feel bad that I'm like bad mouthing clubhouse, but it was such a wave and it turned out to be not that huge of a deal. Right? I had serious FOMO for a while. It's yeah. Like, everyone did. It's like everyone's on clubhouse. I need to, I need to go buy an iPad. You know, people literally went and bought iPads for a clubhouse and now they're like, well, they got an iPad, so they're probably happy. But like, they're like, why did I buy this club, this iPad for Clubhouse? Uh, Aaron, what, what's up next for you? What What's the goal? Where are you headed? It's going to be web copy. It is going to be. It's the reach trajectory. It's the. I'm calling it the reach visibility trajectory. Um, it has a TM after it because I was told to put a TM even if it's not officially trademarked yet because it sets the intent, which I do intend to one day. But it's a, it's. Combining research, establishing your brand values, attracting people with website copy, um, creating a funnel, and then showing up and hooking people with the right message. So it's like kind of it's about the building blocks and then what you do next again, which is I probably said that like a couple of times. And it's what what happens next, what happens afterward, because getting it is one thing, having a roadmap for how to use it and like having an idea of what to do, whether it's done for you or whether it's someone checking in with you periodically saying, okay, what are you doing? Hey, have you considered this? Oh my gosh, that needs to be this new workshop that you're creating. Oh, hey, maybe that's a book. And whether or not you actually sell a lot of the book, it's more about having the book. That's cool. Um, so I want to I want to push you beyond this though. So aside okay. from like the next offer for you, I think a year, two years, three years down the line, like 
what is the business you envision, the life you envision, the industry you envision? Like, what? Where are you taking us? Like, where are you taking the world? I guess. Where am I taking the world? It's all about wanting to help people get to their goals. Yeah. Um. So that that's where truly 100%. I want to be making a bigger impact on a bigger scale. Um, what that scale is, you know, if it's helping moms, helping parents get out of the rat race and and if the rat race is their thing, but building something that they love Mm. where they're realizing they don't have to follow anyone else's rules if they don't want to. Um, whether it's helping some really cool, sustainable brands, like see new ways to reach their clients or whether, you know, who that is that I'm impacting like, I want to do it all. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that too broad? <laughs> it is too broad. It is too, honestly, it is too broad. But like, Everyone I, deserves a puppy and a Volvo, right? Like, yeah, but, but what you're saying right there, like, there's seriously two ways you could go right there. there. There's a lot of passion for you behind it. You know, the helping parents establish something that escapes the rat race. That that one really resonates, resonates with me because that is, like, my mission in life. You know, my mission is, like, thriving business, full life, right? Like there's no compromise in either one. They're both possible, but you had a lot of passion behind that. You had a lot of passion behind, Hey, let's help someone with sustainability. So like, follow that, follow that. And like, let that be your driver. And it's like, there's so much more out there. And I just want to shout it out to the world. And it's hard. It's hard because we, you know, you and I went through that mindset shift too. It's like, you don't have to do things according to other people's rules. You can set your own rule. You can, if you can claim it, you can be it. You just have to make it happen. Like, yeah. and I think that's, you know, I don't know. The biggest thing that I ever learned was that I control what's possible. Yeah. And it sounds so woo. Like it sounds so woo, but it's so true. It's like, empowering. It's it. You decide what you want to do and make it happen. Do it. And maybe it's really 100%. hard along the way, but maybe it's not. Maybe it comes together. You know, for me, that was one of my biggest drivers for going out on my own and for working as hard as I do is envisioning a world where um, I get to spend time doing the things I love, I get to spend more time with my family, I get to work from home, you know, I get to uh, I get to have hobbies and envisioning a world where I get to provide jobs for people where they don't have vacation days because they're adults and they can take time off if they need to take it off, you know, yeah. envisioning a world where uh, I pay people well for the contribution that they give, not based on how many hours they're sitting at a desk, right? Envisioning a world where you can make an impact on clients where when you do work for them, there's an ROI, there's a result, there's a change, a positive change in the world. Those types of things are opportunities that only entrepreneurs have. And man, like when you, when you capture that passion behind that, you'll see your business really pick up. Because there's so much more energy in your marketing, yeah, right? There's a market for anything. If you want to be known for finding this new way to do things, you can be known for it. It's just finding the right audience. If people oh. want to find out more about you, where do they go? Go to AaronPennings.com. Um, you can learn S. all about my latest offers. Hmm? Pennings with an S, right? Aaron Pennings. You can also go to CopySnacks.com, and it points to AaronPennings.com. Um, and that's... You've got everything there. You've got my latest offers. You've got the course. You've got um, you know, how to get in touch with me or hop on my mailing list. And absolutely, awesome. it's all about helping. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you, share with someone who needs to hear it as well. 
For more information on how you can work with me and great resources for your business, head over to builttoscalehq.com. Join us next time for Built to Scale. And until then, take some fast, focused, imperfect action. I believe in you. I got your back. We'll talk soon.